This is Outside the Arc with Coach R.J. Barsh, discussing the game of basketball with players and coaches from around the world of hoops, presented by NBC Basketball Camps. We're outside the arc. This is Coach R.J. Barsh, and we're in the locker room here at Southeastern University. We have a special guest with us today, a prolific shooter with the Detroit Pistons NBA vet, Anthony Tolliver, in the locker room today. Uh, how you doing today, Ant? Doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing well. We're going to get straight to business. What I want to talk about today is uh, is very fundamental in the game of basketball. Uh, Anthony has a son who just hit his first basket on a 10-foot hoop just uh, over All-Star break. And you know what that does when you make your first basket? Well, Ant has had a knack of making shots at a high rate. And so we're going to break down just three or four of the disciplines to be a prolific shooter and to be consistent, ask him a couple questions about his work ethic and uh, what allows him to be a, a guy that NBA teams are seeking out because he can really shoot the ball. So, Anthony, what about your work ethic separates you, you think, from being an a, a, a average shooter to a good shooter? I think it's just the consistency. Uh, you know, for me, uh, getting into the gym, more often is is way more important than getting in the gym for four or five hours for two or three days a week. So for me, it's six days a week, about an hour and hour and a half in the gym, uh, be, being very consistent and uh, getting my work done in a in a timely fashion. And I think that to me, uh, you know, doing a little bit extra every single day uh, is is kind of is my motto. And so, you know, during the season, obviously, I'm not in the gym an extra hour and a half or whatever, um, but uh, during the season, it's more so after practice, it's an extra 15 minutes, an extra 20 minutes, but it's every single day and it's consistent. And uh, I have a routine and I go through it and I make sure that uh, I, you know, I perform at a high level and keep, you know, keep my shot uh, where it needs to be. When you're in high school uh, in uh, Springfield, Missouri, correct? Correct. When you're in high school, uh, about what time did you figure out, okay, man, I can shoot the ball, but I want to be better at it. And then when you figured out you could be better you know, did you change anything in your workouts or, or how'd that process go for you from high school to college? Yeah, so in high school, that's kind of when my work ethic really jumped to the next level. Um, before that, it was, you know, in middle school and elementary, it was more so, oh, whenever we had practice for our teams, I'd practice and in between time, maybe go to the YMCA, play some one-on-one -on -one with my friends and, you know, just have a little more more so fun. But once I hit high school, uh, that's when I realized like, hey, if I'm gonna play this game at a high level, even just at the division one level at that point, uh, I knew I had to become a knockdown shooter. So uh, my freshman year, it started coming before school, um, you know, about 6, 6.30 a.m. And, and get shots up. Um, you know, it wouldn't be every single day in high school, but it would be the days that made sense with my schedule and uh, the days that, you know, uh, that I could. And so, uh, but it'd be at least two or three days a week, I'd be up early um, in the gym on the gun. Um, just me in the gym, I would get, you know, close to five, 600 shots up before school started, take a shower, go to school. Uh, and then, at, you know, after school, you know, have the open gym or practice or whatever with the team. And, uh, and, and that's whenever my, my shooting took, you know, the next step and my game took, took the next step. Uh, because obviously as a, as a great shooter, it, it opens up everything else for you. Um, you see what you know, guys like Steph Curry and, and Kyrie Irving are able to do is, is, you know, they're able to, you know, break down defenses so well 
um, not just because they have great handles, but it's because they're great shooters and you have to respect that. So, uh, you know, that's kind of, uh, you know, where my game took the next step and in, in, in becoming a great shooter was just taking the extra time and, and putting in extra time. And, uh, you know, it's definitely paid its dividends. So it sounds like you say one of the main keys to being a great shooter is uh, reps builds confidence. Absolutely. And the more reps you can have, uh, the more confidence you'll be in, in, in situations. Uh, but, I had to prove. But, but I have to I have to cut you off because it's it's reps, correct? But to me, it's it's consistent reps. Okay. Um, it's mechanics. You know, making sure your mechanics are correct, then putting up the reps. Uh, you know, it, obviously, there's been some great shooters throughout uh, NBA history that didn't necessarily have the you know standard. Uh, uh, form, you know, the Reggie Millers of the world, uh, Kevin Martin of the, you know, those types of guys, but we're still knockdown Not shooters. Um, you know, those are kind of, you know, I would say those are more one of a million, one in a million type guys, you know, the guys who, you know, majority of the people, you know, that, you know, play this game, uh, they're going to have to rely on mechanics first. And then, like I said, get the mechanics right, making sure you're shooting it correctly. Then, repping it out. Once you rep that out, um, then you'll, you know, become the best shooter you can be. What's really interesting is uh, working with Anthony Tolliver uh, over All-Star break. In one of our workouts, we did something that uh, I've seen very few players do is uh, imperfect reps as far as passes and situations and going through a workout and working on, you know, where you're going to catch the ball, how you're going to catch the ball. I mean, how important do you think it is uh, for a college player or, or, or a professional player, whether it's overseas or the D League, when you're in practice, it's usually not a lot of pressure on you because the pass is coming very soft and you get your feet set. And can you talk about challenging yourselves in a workout and, and why that's important? Um, it's very important. I mean, as a as a pro, uh, you know, even at the NBA level, you don't get perfect passes even half the time. I mean, most of the time, <laughs> most, most passes that come your way are going to either be right, left, up, or down. I mean, it's, it's just almost certainly. And so as a, as a shooter, especially as a, as a catch and shoot type of guy like myself, um, I have to take advantage of every opportunity I get because I don't get that many opportunities to shoot because everybody knows I'm a good shooter. So, yeah. um, you know, I have to be able to take that imperfect pass and turn it into uh, a great shot for our team and and have to be able to not only just shoot it but I have to be able to have the confidence to make it and so the only way you can learn how to make a shot from an imperfect pass is by practicing imperfect passes and so uh, I've been doing that for probably the last five or six years is, is you know having whoever I'm training with to um, you know throw me bad passes uh, right left up down to where I'm jumping as high as I can catching it loading, going right back into my shot, you know, picking it up from a, you know, uh, a scoot, like rolling it to me, scooping it up, having to get right into my shot, um, you know, in every single situation. I mean, they're all, they're all things that are going to happen in a game. So, um, you know, those are the type of situations I try uh, and replicate. And so, you know, as a high school player, you know, I would, I would say, you know, do it some, you know, and obviously, you know, high school players are even less skilled than professional yeah. players. So, your percentages of bad passes might even be more. So, you know, I just think that you, you definitely should start implementing it into your workouts as, as early as possible so that getting a bad pass and shooting it, it, it becomes second nature.
Let me ask you this question and just expound on it a little bit. Um, one of the reasons you've been able to survive and, and thrive uh, as a professional, it seems from an outside perspective, is your coachability and being able uh, to gain the, the trust of your coaching staff, of your teammates, and the respect of your peers. What would you say attributed uh, you to being able to buy into your role and then respond to your coaches? Like, how important is that for a player to do uh, to play high-level basketball? Um, I mean, I think it's essential. Uh, if you think about it, as a player, uh, you're in a position where you're subjected to what the coaches want, you know? So the, the coaches are, you know, in the position to make those decisions because that's what the, that's their, that's their job. And so for me, as a player, you know, I have to make sure that I do what I'm supposed to do um, so that I can get on the court. And so if a coach wants you to defend and rebound, and you want to shoot and score and whatever, that, is, that isn't what your job is. Oh, so, so sometimes a coach is not hating on you? <laughs> it's not hate. It's, it's, you know, a lot, most of the time, you know, when, when your coach knows what he's doing uh, they, and they want you to fulfill a role, they want you to fulfill that role because A, they feel like you're the best person to fulfill that role for your team. And B, is if, if you fulfill that role at its highest level, and everybody fulfills their role at it, their highest level, it's gonna give your team the best chance to win. So at the end of the day, this whole thing is all about winning. You know, whenever yeah. you're playing, you don't play basketball to lose, you play to win. And so this isn't about individual, um, this isn't an individual sport, this is a team sport. So if you can't um, humble yourself and put yourself in a position to, to basically do what the coach wants you to do, um, that coach has every right and he probably will not play. Yeah. Um, and so at the end of the day, you know, I, I went through that same thing in college. You know, I wanted to score. I wanted to be the, you know, go-to guy. I wanted the ball more um, and everything else my first couple years. And my coach wanted me to focus on defense and rebounding. Didn't want to listen to him. But finally, at the end of my sophomore year, I started listening. We started winning. I got it. It clicked. And then my last two years were very, very successful in college. And so... Um, if I would have never bought in, I probably would have had to transfer or would have never played, you know, so yeah, it's, it's just interesting. If you wouldn't have bought in, you probably would have had a transfer, which seems to be an epidemic in college basketball in high school is where a coach wants to help a young man succeed by putting them in a role they can accomplish. And a young man or a young lady sees that as a minimized role mm -hmm. and they end up leaving and going to a different place. Uh, it's really cool to see that you bought in at Creighton and, and, and you figured it out. And now when you go to that arena, you go to the gym, you know, your name's in there mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, you stayed the course and you stayed disciplined. So um, what would you tell a high school player right now who's getting ready to go into the summer in the spring, you know, and, and they didn't play as much this year and they're thinking, you know, I'm going to go somewhere else and play. What would you tell them to do this summer? I would say... There's nothing that's going to replace hard work. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if you're not as good as the next guy who's playing above you or playing more minutes or getting more shots or whatever, if you're not better than them, then that means you're, you, you know, you just got to work harder. And sometimes, obviously, you know, God blesses people with, you know, different abilities. So, you know, if you have, if you're only five foot 11 and the guy in front of you is playing and he's six, four and really athletic and you're five eleven and not very athletic, there's not really much you can do about that, but what can you do that he can't, right? Yeah. So that's what find your, that's, find that's, your niche. you got to find your niche as any, any player on any team. 
you got to find your niche and find out what can you do that nobody else can do um, that can get you on the court. Because at the end of the day, that's what really matters is getting on the court. If coach tells you to defend, play defense and rebound and you do that and that's going to get you to play, well, then do that so you can get on the court. Well, now, if you're on the court and you want to be like, well, I can shoot, too, and I can score, too. <laughs> if you're on the court and you're defending and rebounding, your coach is not going to mind if you take a shot. You know what I'm saying? If you do your job, you do what you're supposed to do, and you go out there and you prove that you can shoot, too, then you become even that much more valuable. So the, the, tr- the trick is getting on the court. So, you know, if you're, you know, going, if you're in high school or, or middle school or whatever and you're trying to get on the court more, uh, I would say, A, listen to your coach and do what he tells you to do so you can get on the court more. And B, um, just work your tail off and, and, and do something, like I said, find out what you can do for your team uh, that's, that's different than, uh, you know, the next guy so that you can differentiate yourself and so your coach can uh, know exactly what he's getting out of you. Yeah, I think, too, I think a lot of players and coaches, we try to find a, the magic answer to becoming great. And the more that I've been around great players and, and great coaches, it always boils down to those three things. You can't replace hard work. Um, you have to buy into your role and find find a niche to make your team better. And then at the end of the day, before you do anything, you have to ask yourself this question: Is what I'm doing going to help my team win? And if you and if you and if it's no, then you probably shouldn't be doing it, especially during the season. Now there are times to expand your game, but we're talking about being a great shooter and helping your team win uh, throughout the year. Now, just a couple more questions. Um, let me ask you this. When was your best shooting game and how did that feel? That can be answered a couple of different ways. I mean, I've uh, in the NBA, I've made five three-pointers in a game. That's actually my career high in a regular season game. But I've made five three-pointers probably 20 times. Wow. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just like crazy amount of times I've in a regular season game, I've never made more than that. And it, it really bugs me all the time because you know, I've had you hear nice, it here first. He's gonna get six or seven in the next man, two weeks. Exactly. That's that's the plan. I got twenty-five more games to get over five three-pointers in one game. But uh, you know, but it's uh, I've obviously gotten hot. You know, a lot of different times over my career. Um, but there was one actually one preseason game last year against the Lakers. We actually were playing in Vegas, and that game I was. Seven for seven from three. <laughs> um, so that was the most I ever made in any game. Uh, seven for seven from three. I don't even know if I made any two-pointers, to tell you the truth. But I think I finished with like, you know, 24, 25 points or something like that. But, uh, you know, I was, I mean, that was one of those nights where it yeah. didn't matter. Like I literally caught one, like a bad pass, a yeah. horrible high pass. It was like I was fading to the right. I was like at the the break where like the worst three-point percentage in the NBA is. And I like faded to the corner, kicked my leg, and cashed it out. Like it was just like one of those like nights where it didn't matter where I threw it from or how I threw it up. It was going in. So uh, I'd like to replicate that sometime soon, you know. (laughs) The only thing wrong with that game is the date. Exactly. (laughs) It was... It was early October and not early November. Yeah. But, you know, early October game doesn't count for anything. It counts for my my confidence. Yeah. I know I can do it. And I've seen that I've done it in a game, in an NBA game against NBA competition. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, for that purpose, it, it was great. But with uh, the way the game's being played nowadays, I, I have a feeling you're going to have a lot of opportunities uh, to right. knock down some shots. Right. And now as a shooter in a, in a pro who's been playing for a while, 
it takes extreme amount of discipline and focus and consistency uh, to have the career you've had. Um, NBC Camps is a, is a camp that is founded on Jesus Christ. And that's one of our, our core principles outside the arc. We're going to interview a ton of different coaches and players. And sometimes you come across paths where there's players who have done a phenomenal job in their way of integrating their faith uh, with their profession. And everybody does it different. There can be some guys who, who have strong faith, but they just go to work and then they go home. Anthony, you've done a, a, a job of kind of stepping up in different areas with with what with your shirt says, pray, train, conquer, repeat. I mean, you represent, you know, active faith in a high level. How, you know, how is integrating your faith as a professional helped you uh, to this point? Uh, it's really just given me a foundation. Uh, you know, as a professional basketball player, uh, if you don't have a foundation and you don't have a strong core, you know, you're going to get eaten up because this professional basketball or professional sports really in general, um, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world and no one owes you anything and you get taken advantage of and you will get told one thing and, that you know, they'll do another thing and, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a friendly game. And so, um, you know, in your... Most of the time, most a lot of guys, especially guys in my position that were, you know, maybe on the outside looking in, trying to get in and different stuff like that, you're going to get released, you're going to get cut, you're going to be told you're not good enough. I saw some guys that were from high level schools, Alabama's, the Florida's, the different schools that a lot of great players have come out of, you know, that got drafted. I didn't get drafted, but that got drafted ahead of me, that got had all the hype ahead of me and all this different stuff. And uh, this whole process made them up and, hmm. and you know they were two or three years in and, and they were like I'm done they, they just couldn't do it like and, and and not to say that none of them believe in God not to say that none of them have a relationship with Christ but I would probably say probably not yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. because they gave up way too easily and, and I feel like that's a big reason why I never gave up and I never have um, faltered on my resolve for wanting to make the NBA was because you know, I felt like God put it on my heart and he didn't, it didn't matter the circumstances, it didn't matter. I get, kept on being told by coaches or by GMs or teams that, hey, you know, you're not good enough for our team. You're going to be cut, whatever. You know, it's not like it didn't affect me at all. But I looked back and said, you know what, my, my faith is going to keep me going. You know, I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep um, seeking God and I'm going to keep my dream alive. And because you know, I felt like, like I said, I felt like God had put that dream on my heart that that was what I was supposed to do. And so now, I mean, obviously looking back, you know, having that relationship with God, you know, and, and being able to affect all the people I've been able to affect in the different locker rooms I've been in. I see now it's, it, it was all a part of God's plan to put me in the situation where I wasn't drafted. I wasn't given anything um, and I wasn't like highly regarded or whatever coming out of college because he wanted me to move. He wanted me wow. to be in Germany and affect people's lives there. Turkey, affect people's lives there. And the D-League and on two or three, four different teams in the D-League, affecting guys in every single locker room. And then another 10 teams in the NBA. Um, you know, I've been able to affect change um, and bring light into dark situations um, on the, what was that? About 16 different teams um, over a 10, 11 year period. Now look back now, it was a lot of travel and a lot of crazy change and a lot of different stuff. But, you know, every single stop I've made lifelong friends and I've also planted seeds. Um, and that's 
you know, that's what I feel like God has, has used me to do. You know, Anthony, that is a great way to, to close out our segment today. <clears throat> Anthony plays for the Detroit Pistons. You can find him on, on Twitter. Is it A Tolliver44? 44. 44. Uh, reach out to him. He's always tweeting Bible scriptures and positive messages. You know, he's one guy that, you know, I want young people to make sure you follow because he's doing it the right way. He's leading with his faith. And of course, man, is knocking down shots and helping his team win. Once again, this is Outside the Arc. And today we had the prolific shooter, Anthony Tolliver. Thank you for listening to Outside the Arc. For more information about NBC Basketball Camps, visit NBCCamps.com and listen to other Outside the Arc podcast episodes available on iTunes.